Hey there, ghosties. This is episode 86 of the Ghost Lights Podcast. You are listening to the beautiful echo chamber that is Satya Chavez, Satya Chavez, our guest for this episode. We talk about where her connection to the community that is theater. Connection to the community. That is theater. That is theater. Thank you. <laughs> where it started. Some of our experiences. This is sometimes... Not the easiest conversation to listen to, but one that you should. Do the hard work. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, here's War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> at home who are unfamiliar with my guest, Santia Chavez, um, we were talking about things that tasted like satin sheets and vanilla earlier. Her voice is pretty fucking smooth as well. So before we get before we get any further into this pod, we opened a show that you co-created, composed the vast majority of the music for, if not all of it, yes? Yes, all the music. All yeah. the music. Yeah, yeah. It's all her work and Andrew Rosendorf's brilliant writing and we opened it after about three years of workshopping process okay, or kind more of i mean you say, we say three years but we lost so many years to covid yeah, right yeah. so like i'm not gonna pretend like i spent two years of covid like staying true to my work and my art in in this project no we I'm, took a break yeah well i mean <laughs> we took a, a solid time out yeah and we made it, we paid our bills other ways until yeah. we could reconvene. No, you, yeah, no, of course. But it, but much like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, musicals find a a way. What? <laughs> and, what? Uh, yeah, you, you have, you've seen Jurassic Park, right? Yes. Okay. So and and so he just found a way. Life just uh, <laughs> finds a way. <laughs> Great. <Yeah. laughs> That's my Jeff Goldblum. Now. Anyway. <laughs> oh shit so we'll say three weeks of workshop period over the course of the three years or more of the pandemic totally. yeah. yeah 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 and um which is nothing no. for the record when it comes to workshopping musicals and things because this is let's be real it's a musical yeah it's a play with music it's not a musical it's a play with music the music does not propel the plot forward in any way but the amount of music that's in it mm -hmm. you could it's comparable well I once I once I did once on this island when I was in college, which was also the first time I was ever a truck. Um, <laughs> I, I I walked away from that experience. I was like, all right, he's Sam. being painfully literal. He plays a truck in our show at I one do. point, and the right headlight. <laughs> I am the right headlight twice. I was the right headlight in once on this island. For real? Yes. Oh my I'm, uh, listen, circle. when you know what you do well, don't walk away from it. <laughs> Find your strengths That's and lean into them. Exactly. <laughs> I, I should be I should be chopped down to size and put into a car. Oh like Carrie, God. right? Was that the name of the the killing car? No. That is definitely like a horror it is. thing. The killing know. car? Yeah, there's a killing car. I don't know about that. Herbie? Her Herbie. No, it's no, definitely not Herbie. Uh, that's a kid's... Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen was the, was, the murderous, was the murderous car. 
Anyway, someone will correct me. I'm, I'm hope. I hope you will. Please, please correct me because <laughs> I don't want to get sued. Anyway, I was like, I'm never doing this. This is also one of those shows that definitely has an actor play a tree. Like you think that ends in junior high? No, we <laughs> no. do that professionally still. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Here's, if you have any type of dancing works, if you put like semi-pro dancer or intermediate dancing skills. You will be hired as you a tree. Will, you will be hired as a tree. <laughs> get, get ready for it. <laughs> and Sorry yeah. I interrupted you. No, no, you no. Were saying. It's fine. It's great. Um, but yes, I said at that point, I'm probably never going to do a musical again. Well, this show's made a liar out of me. Yes. Uh, so, cheers to Refuge. Saloon. Saloon. All right. Liar is in the instrument? No. <laughs> no. Nice, nice. Dan is a is a font of puns, everybody. And uh, <laughs> No. It's fantastic. For those of a you playing liar. at home, a liar. Um, like the instrument. Yeah, L-Y-R-E. Right? Yes. Hey, uh, look can, at you. I can spell some things. Not not a lot of things. <laughs> Probably couldn't pronounce it correctly on stage <laughs> at the end of a long week. Anyway, <laughs> this is episode eighty six of the Ghost Life 86. Podcast. Yeah. We have we have the incomparable Satya Chavez. So I've had the good fortune of getting a chance to work with you in the past. And here I am now working with you. We got to do some real problematic shit together in the well, past, y'all. I mean. Yeah. Arabian Nights. Ooh. We we didn't sing as much as we should have in that. Did you sing us? I sang. I sang in that. Yeah. I sang as much as I should have in that. Nah, that's true. I could have afforded to sing a little less, <laughs> I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a it's a Mary Zimmerman play called Arabian Nights. Yeah. And uh, and today's truth, I don't think anyone should be producing that show. A yeah. uh, white British lady probably shouldn't have been writing the story yeah. of Scheherazade and yeah. the... Harun al-Rashid. That was the character I played. Oh, yeah? Yes. Okay, right yes. on. Peter Trin was my brother and was Peter Trin. You know who's going to come see the show is Gandia. <gasps> is she? I know. She's Fant- a rock star. She's fantastic. hilarious. That's great. Um... Yeah, I hope she's well. I miss her a lot. She's hilarious. She Me and is. Lily m- love her. We've kept in touch after all these years too. That's man. great. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've only kept in touch with the director and Peter. Yeah. And now you, oh no, yeah. Abner. Abner's been a guest on the pod since oh, since nice. that time. Abner. Abner. Yes. Yeah. And no shade against Abner, but my best friend Lily Hokama, who was my age at the time, we were must have been like twenty four or something like that, did the show. And Abner is what? He's a forty year old something man at the time. Just large guy, large, but man, right? And uh, for whatever reason, this director was like, we're going to cast this young 24-year-old to be the love interest of this man. And they had to make out a lot. And I remember the day Lily got cast as that role. And I was so disappointed because I was like, I thought I nailed that audition. It should have been me. And then came the makeout day of rehearsal. And I was very grateful. I was very grateful to be ensemble number 27 to the left. Really appreciated it. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you. Shout out to Sheila. Shout out to Sheila. That's right. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate you. So I would, I usually, I, I, in the preamble to you being a guest, I would say I always start with this first question about theater. How did it happen to you? Theater really does happen to you, doesn't it? It really does. You don't you don't ask for it. It happens no. to you. Yeah. I feel like the people who who come out of the womb going like I'm going to be an actor, like they can get there. 
That wasn't me, man. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't come out of the womb being like, I want to be an actor, but I did come out of the womb music. Mm. Um, and I always wanted to be Selena Quintanilla. Do you guys know who Selena is? I remember she sings, Selena. She sings, bum bum. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> she died very young. Mm-hmm. She was shot by her, uh, not her manager, but like the manager like of her, her fan club, yeah. basically. the manager of her fan club. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's the ultimate betrayal. She was shot. And she was like 21 or 22 or some shit. She was still at just like the beginnings of her career. She, but she was a Mexican-American idol. Like yeah. the Madonna, the Mexican-American Madonna in the making. But she died so young, right? Mm. Um, and so she is still like a massive influence in in Latino culture. And, mm. um, and then the movie came out with J-Lo playing Selena. And that was kind of J-Lo's big... Do you know what I'm saying about? Yeah, okay, great. That was her big claim to fame, and then J-Lo took off after that movie. Um, so I saw that movie. I'm pretty sure, I can't remember, I should Google this, because I'm sure this won't be the last time in my life I tell this story, but I can't remember if Selena died the year I was born, or if the movie came out the year I was born. You're going to Google it right now! Yeah, good. I was Dan's born in 1992. All right, then. Dan, tell us what's happening in 1992. Yeah. Selena Quintanilla, 1992. Either the movie came out or that's the year she was shot or some shit. But regardless, that is what I wanted to do. And my father, yeah. The movie was 97. Movie yeah. was 97. She, she died. passed in 95. She passed in 95. Apparently. No. Yeah. Then neither of my stories line up. Have you been living a lie this I've whole time? I've been living a lie since 1992, you guys. Oh, no. Wait, what? Are you for real? The movie Let's... came out in 97. She died in 95. So, how do you spell her last name? Quintanilla. Q-U-I-N-T. There Quinta- she is. Yeah. T-A-N-I-L-L-A. Let's see. Selena Cantina Perez was an American American singer. They died in 95. Wikipedia refers to her as an American singer. Get your facts straight, Wiki. March 31st, 1995. Wow, so I was like alive and well when the movie came out, when she died and then when the movie came out. Well, when the movie came out, it was like a real big deal in my family and and by my family, my dad insisted that I learn all of her music and he's got this and he tells the story. My dad is my dad is the real star. Um, he's a Leo, he's center of attention, man. You met him, you met him the other night, man. He's, I've met him twice. He's a character. He's, he's got, a, he's got a great fucking energy. About yes, him. he does. It, yes, he does. It is like a magnet. Opening nights are his fucking bread and butter. Yeah. Like he was, he was born to be yeah. at an opening night. I mean, he, 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 he whips up that camera phone and it is. <laughs> This photos, baby. I love it. I love it. I love it. He'd go, yeah, baby. And he'd give you a thumbs up and a high five and everything. <laughs> I got that on the Anyway, phone. so so uh so I uh, grew up singing. I grew up singing. And yeah. my da- once once my dad caught wind that I wanted to be a pop star, he really made himself an, an Edwards James Olmos adaptation of Abraham Quintanilla. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and he was like well so let's get her into voice lessons and let's get a microphone in front of this girl so he starts promoting bands and he starts um doing everything he can to like get me on stage and so he starts like um he works for a high school district as an administrator so he starts putting together um like music cultural events mm-hmm. and so there's like footage and i'll show you guys at some point but there's like footage of of what we would call culture mix and it was basically like we'd get a group of musicians and young high school students together to like 
perform just perform music. It's just like a like a band, like a gig and whatever. And then mm-hmm. you'd see little me on the side, like a little seven year old me, like doing my little step touches and singing my little songs. And mm-hmm. like I'm sure my mic was off, but <laughs> but it was about the experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I grew up thinking I was a star. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> says a lot about me today. Um, <laughs> so I just uh, I was just always immersed in music, and then. Um, there's two stories to how the theater bug bit me. I know how the theater bug actually bit me, but my dad's story, I think, is much better. Let's hear them both. So I'll, hear, I'll give you both. Sorry. The first one is, when I was like uh, six or seven, hmm. my dad and I were hanging out in downtown San Diego. San Diego's where I grew up. And um, there's this beautiful park called Balboa Park. Um, so all San Diegans will know it, and they'll they'll be like, yes, I oh, love that place. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, many cultural arts centers out in Balboa Park, and one of them at the time had an installation like a like a mestizo, like a machica Mexican American Chicano installation. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, I have to go to the bathroom. I'm at the park, and I gotta go potty. And so we go into this little museum so that I can go to the bathroom. And we walk in, and there's this group of little nuggets rehearsing a little play. And they see me walk down, and the way my dad tells the story, and he's the only one who can remember it because I was fucking six years old, right? I don't <laughs> actually remember the story. But the way my dad tells the story is he's like, yeah, and we just walk in, and they see you, and they're like, ah, does your daughter act? I'm sure that's not how it went down, but it is the better story version. Never mm. ruin a good story with the truth. That Never. is a lesson I've learned from my father. No. Can I would like to tell you a story about the American dream if I can. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Sorry. America's out of the room right now, so it's okay. <laughs> Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> No, it's okay. I'm not. I, I don't live in Florida. I could teach critical race theory here. <laughs> anyway, as you were saying, so I'm walking into this as a six year old, um, this Mexican American museum, and this group of kids are rehearsing a play. That the woman directing it sees me and is like, "Oh my God, we just lost an actor for our play. Would your daughter be interested in acting?" And my dad goes, "I don't know. Let's ask. Are you interested?" And apparently, I was just like. Absolutely, I'm ready. Mm. And um, and so for the next week, we <laughs> just practiced a little skit, a little play, and I was the lead of it. I just jumped in and was the lead of their little play. And from that point, my dad was like, oh, well, she's a performer. Now, my tale. Okay, mm. great. And putting a pin in that. <laughs> okay. My tale is, I don't actually remember that at all. And I've, and I've, uh, it, it, that, that gets, I have vague memories of performing that thing, but mm. like that gets mixed in with the, the many, many, many times my father has pushed me out onto a stage and just said, okay, your turn. And just like forced me to develop a relationship with fear. Mm-hmm. When I was, when like prior to that, when I was, no, it was around that time in my life, he, uh, he had me singing. He had me singing at like post church events, and um, I just like have recollections of like church ending, and then there being like a big, like a food trucks and like a like a big cultural event that would happen afterwards. And mm. then we put up a stage, and then there'd be music playing, and everyone would just congregate and gather and just enjoy the Sunday after after church. Mm. And um, 
And so one day my dad was like, and I'm telling you, I'm like three or four or five maybe. And he, my dad's like, well, Satya, do you want to sing Como La Flor, which is a Selena Quintanilla song? Mm. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. So he pushes me out on stage. and I don't think I understood what I was signing up for. So I walk out on stage and I see all these people and I freeze, I panic, I cry. I just cry. And I don't open my mouth to sing for like two or three years after that. I was traumatized. I don't know what it was about it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I don't even remember. I hardly remember. Yeah. I remember I have a piercing memory of looking out into the crowd and breaking down and crying. Mm. Somehow a little five-year-old me remembers that, but like not singing for years after that, I don't remember. And like, and so these memories are just like, they're all, they all kind of like blur together as like, oh, well, it's the montage. Mm -hmm. It's the montage of all the many culture mixes you did as a kid, just off to the side singing to Celia Cruz, your little step touches, getting your best friend to do it with you, wearing 90s fuzzy shirts. The 90s were a really great time for fashion. Um, leather pants, little... Anyways, I digress. But in reality, I always wanted to be a pop star. Theater was for nerds. I was not interested. I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Hmm. <laughs> it was for the nerdiest group of people, and I was not a nerd. I was cool. I played basketball. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's right. I played basketball. I was cool. I was a cool kid. I wasn't going to be a nerd. And so when I was 13 years old, um, I had been taking voice lessons for a long time and piano lessons, and I like clearly was doing the music thing, but I was a shitty teenager, and I didn't really want to practice anything. But my dad was like, well, you know, he worked for the high school district. He's like, I think you should, you know, we're going to do a musical over here, and I think you should just do it. And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to do a musical. Ew. Well, no, you should just diversify your interests, Satya. As a 13-year-old, I don't even know what that means. But... He forces me to do a musical, mm. and it is The Leader of the Pack, which is a jukebox musical of a songwriter. It doesn't matter. The story doesn't matter. What matters is The Leader of the Pack, Vroom, Vroom. Exactly. That was the title number. That was the big musical number we did. And uh, I did this musical. I met my first high school boyfriend. Um, I'm a raging homosexual, so... <laughs> <laughs> that has that's a different story we'll get to that another time but I just like like I made friends and I made community and I learned that like mm. this thing we call theater is about more than just any individual's claim to fame it is about coming together as a community as collaborators as different kinds of artists from all kinds of walks of life mm -hmm. and uh I did this musical and it was like, it was community theater at best, but it wasn't just high school theater. We had like adults that were also a part of it. So mm -hmm. they just like integrated for experience, right? Yeah. Helping kids feel like they're doing it for real. And so they brought in some adults to play some of the main characters yeah. and the rest of us were ensemble. And whatever the fuck that was, I was bit. That was the bug that bit me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love singing and playing and making friends and doing all of this. And and from that point forward, I just like did musicals all the time. Now today's truth, Satya doesn't actually like musicals that much. I think they're too campy. I think the style of singing just like it's like grating to me. I don't really and like risk game respect game. Like people who have made Broadway. I yeah. salute you, man. Do you? People be singing these shows eight shows a week and like just scrulting for their lives. It's very impressive. Yeah. But the style isn't quite like my style. I'm yeah. a 
I'm an Amber Mark. I'm a Lauren Hill. I'm a, I'm a, oh my God, I could think of a million artists. I'm a Jamila Woods. I'm a, uh, I like like alternative R&B, hip hop, lo-fi, like yeah. a little bit of a techno sound in there too. I just, I like hip hop. Yeah. Um, so when Lin-Manuel Miranda does In the Heights slash Hamilton, it's kind of a game changer. Um, and that just kind of like, ins- that kind of inspired me to keep investing in myself and keep investing in, in this industry and keep, uh, and maybe even like give musical theater a shot. Yeah. So alas, here I am writing a bit of a musical. Yeah. But I don't think the style of music in my show is, I don't know, what would you say, Dan? What would you say the style of music yeah, in my show is? Would you say it's musical theater? No. It's, it's melodic mood, ambience, yeah. like tone setting. Come on, tone setting, melodic mood, ambient, tone setting. Absolutely. That's what Dan said. I love it. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my man with the tukus coming in with the tukus coming in I, I, I did duku for about three weeks yeah yeah how would you spell tuku if you if you were to write that out see that's interesting because it almost feels like there is like a DJ like yeah oh interesting DJ 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 like you DJ double O DJ DJ you so we do so in our show we uh, a lot of the music is is meant as soundscape rather than just like like storytelling uh, moving plot forward it's mm-hmm. it, it's ambient it's sound it is soundscape um, someone described it I think Jerry it was described it as um, uh, borderless folk music Ooh, isn't that nice I like that I lot. think that's how what I'm gonna embrace that and ambient mm-hmm. ambient. The Xanax of music. Whoa, no. Uh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> let, us, let us not go there. I'm going to be real frank. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, we, 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 we create, you created really awesome instrumentals that we pick up and, and help breathe into the scene. These songs, like even the slow, like what I would deem romantic for like, longing songs for community and connection to something bigger than that moment in particular like when you want to recreate reconnect with your mom and you smell the smell the deodorant like that song's a fucking banger <laughs> they're all fucking bangers even if they're all a little smaller so yeah, like yeah. it's just like smaller in terms of like the scope how much we built yeah right how many, how many they're intimate they're yeah, intimate songs they're all, yeah this is this is one of those musicals that, or plays with music that you could do in an old small black box. Yes, totally. That would bring down the house every freaking night. It, it w- and you wouldn't need like you can do it all. Don't necessarily need to mic it. You can paint a picture with it, and no one. And you can do it two feet in front of somebody, and have them just eating out of the palm of your hand. You were gonna say something. No, just that that's the whole point of it, right? I think accessibility was key in in crafting this. And as we continue to crack the codes and figure out how we continue to develop the play, accessibility is at the forefront of our intention. Absolutely. Um, we want this to be a show that 
a theater with a million dollar budget can produce and it's full scale and it's, you know, get all the bells and whistles on it. But also if a theater has a thousand dollar budget, you should also be able to tell the story because I think the important part is that the story get told. And so the music is supposed to be accessible and attainable and achievable and not like we don't need someone who can sing and belt their face off eight shows a week. We just need a community of people that are willing to sing these songs and chant them together. And um, so it's, it's meant to feel more borderless, acoustic, borderless mm. folk. It's meant to feel more communal um, as opposed to like refined and polished Broadway. Yeah. Although I want it to go to Broadway. So let's manifest that all of us, shall we? Yes. Let's definitely get it there. <laughs> that'd be, that'd be nice. That's the dream. Yeah. But the reason I asked you about Tuku is how you would spell it. It's because I spelled it in my script always mm, as same. T-U-C-U. Oh, yeah some people put k's in there and it was so fascinating to me to see how everyone in the show and, it, and i think it was super related to your relationship to spanish how they each wrote it out and some people spelled it out d double o k double o or d u c u or like if you hear duku versus tuku with a t but mm. in spanish tuku that that consonant mm. the t consonant sounds a little bit like a d the same way the trick of like rolling your R's, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a hard time rolling your R's, just use the D sound. Mm. Pero, 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 pero. Yeah. Yeah. Eras supero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, we're going to practice our lines. Yeah, we're going to do, we're podcast. definitely going to take a moment to do that. <laughs> Get them on the mic so I know exactly what I'm saying. Um, I wanted to touch on something that just slightly related to the, to the, the translation of these dukus, tukus. Yeah. When I started doing the DU, KU dukus, I had less breath that I than I ended up having doing tukus, and <laughs> I don't weird. understand why. I, think I don't it, understand I, that. I, mean, I don't have answers for you. Yeah, I'm Weirdo. just saying it's one of those weird <laughs> things. Maybe it, maybe once I figured out what I what it actually was, uh -huh. as opposed to what I was hearing, sure. it gave me a little more confidence okay. to breathe into it. But I'm just saying that was a little interesting. Oh, I have more breath. At English the end makes life harder. Speak Spanish. Ooh, that's, that's the message. That's. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Dan. Dan put me in my place um, yet again. Dan, could you go to get us some cups, please? Oh, do you want some cups? Yeah. Should we, should we take a pause? Let's take a pause. Let's get some cups. Okay. And um, I'll come back with a question because you touched on something about the communal aspects that you noticed in this production you did that I really want to touch on. Okay. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is, the, this is the Ghost Lights Podcast. We'll be back after these messages. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, we're gonna jump back into this. Sounds Are we doing the, a commercial or no? I, oh, I'll do the commercial right now. Okay, ready? Yeah. I'll be quiet. <clears throat> and I'll go. I'll sip this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ghost Lights Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the Catamounts and their new production of Catamounts. One Way Back Day. One Way Back Day. Created by Tracia Ferris, James Brunt, Alasia Gray, Chelsea Fry, Peter Trent, and Sam Gilstrap, the host of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Ooh. Get your tickets to the dairyartcenter.org today. Dairyartcenter.org today. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back, ghosties. <laughs> 
doing it. No, Dan's you didn't. like, Dan's like, give me the side eye, like, bitch. That was the best commercial we've ever recorded. <laughs> that was the best commercial we've ever recorded. Um, and I'm definitely not going to pay you for that. <laughs> so, so you can use it for your reel. <laughs> okay, okay. Did we get paid for this? No. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not yet, but damn it, you you should you, we should get paid for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna look into real online commercials and stuff. But for that one right now, yeah, that's a that's a that, that's something I like to do. All right, we oh, yeah, were solid. Yeah, doing doing people's doing people's a solid. You talked about the experience you had doing this show that was school community theater based, and the connections you made with people where you were the bug for you you felt bit you for sure oh yes yes sorry we went back to 13 year old satya i'm back on board i'm sorry i'm a modelo in yeah half half a shot because i well this is more than a shot is it or is this This just a dub yeah you're you're, you've got you got a shot in yeah. I'm a modelo in. Yeah. And now I've got this horchata stout going on. From, I'm going to finish the other brewing. half of this shot. It's, it's damn tasty. We're, we're in 2006. 2006. And we're in the Wayback <laughs> Machine. And um, you talked about that scent, the, the different types of people attracted to t- together yeah. to tell this story. Right. How has that evolved or has it from your perspective? Okay, so I don't totally know what you're asking me, but I'm going to okay. answer it the way I think I want to answer it anyway. Perfect. <laughs> That's great. So, so I think uh, I think what you're picking up on is that this sense of community is really the thing that has been been the inspiration to to keep me going in this industry. And I think, you know, when you do theater as a kiddo. It's all about collaboration. It's all about, you know, coming backstage and sewing your costumes together and and like just being a part of every aspect of it. And then you and then I decided to go to college and study theater and study acting in particular. And when I was in college, I worked in the costume shop and that kind of like helped me pay my bills throughout college. And that was kind of my 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 part time full time job outside of performing the things for free. But um, but I was just so enamored with with the communal aspect of what theater is. It is not just focus on one person. Like the show does not happen without all of the different members of the team coming together and building something. But then, alas, capitalism. And the way these industries work is everyone to each their own. Everyone sticks to their lane. Everyone... Uh, where's the hat that they are trained to wear and if you step even a toe over their lane you are wrong you are in the wrong you do not tell a sound designer anything about what to do you do not tell a costume designer that their design might be problematic or I'm sorry I'm having flashbacks to having flashbacks to the Arvada Center Jesus Christ, Superstar was hella problematic putting us and all the people of color in the show in full burkas and feeling like that was okay. fuck, I saw that show. Oh, no. Oh, no. no, I remember it. And then us and uh, the three women of color in the show, the only people of color in the show, handing Judas the noose to kill Jesus in our full burkas. Like, you really don't think, you really don't think that's sending a message 
no, we're just trying to do Jesus Christ Superstar in its authentic form, the way it was always intended to be done. There was never a real intention. Uh, if there, if we're if we're telling the story of Jesus in its full authentic form, there are way more people of color in this story. For sure, for sure. Absolutely. Oh my God, Sam Absolutely. was being so kind to like tell me a story about some offensive experience he had off off mic and me i'm just like and here's the tea for all of you you deserve to hear it because this world is hella problematic and there's yeah. no room there has because of capitalism because the show must go on mentality because i'm stepping on a soapbox here so bear with me but that's no, like, fine I, I kicked it over to you it's a it's a money-making machine yeah and so you lose over the course of however many years i've been in the industry outside of education outside of being in school outside of falling in love with it you learn very quickly that the rules are very rigid and um and they're intended to keep everyone in place in line keep poor people poor don't i mean the actors get paid the least of all these people that come together to make a piece of theater right and like don't discuss paychecks because whatever i'm getting tangential my point is um Historically, theater has been a stay in your lane kind of an industry. And what draws me to theater is how communal it is, how how much everyone has to be on the same page to bring a thing together. And in this show in particular, I we brought together a group of, of actors and artists from all different kinds of walks of life who, who didn't necessarily have the resumes or the or the training or the whatever the hell to like be the Broadway caliber version of the show, but that's not the point. The point is we're coming together to tell an important story with, with the tools that we have. Mm. And everyone pushed themselves 150% to make this happen. Like, like Sam said earlier, he doesn't do musicals, but he came into rehearsal one and I was like, sing, bitch. Here we are. Sing. You're in it. Sing, Louise. Sing out, Louise. Right. Yeah. Sing out, Louise. You're in a musical. <laughs> um, and so uh, something that's been really special about this process is I have had the most like the immense amount of trust in this group of people um, because I know that we were all there to achieve this common goal. Mm -hmm. And so before you know it, we are having full discussions as an ensemble, as an acting ensemble about the set and what that represents and conversations that went back to our set designer and then he implemented that feedback from us and then conversations about the text. Should we, excuse me, should we be cutting text here? Should we be adding text here? Should this person be saying this? Conversations about the music. I don't know that music underneath this moment makes sense. It kind of detracts. Let's make adjustments here. And everyone had feedback on everything. Direction, choreography, lights, mm -hmm. sound, anything you can imagine. Every single person in the room had an opinion that was heard about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, and I said this in my toast on opening night, but I think in an industry that has managed to, that has always intended to be communal, it's managed to isolate people, mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's like stigmas against actors, right? Yeah. Actors are divas. Oh, well, technicians are weirdos or mm -hmm. what, whatever. Like everyone like has stay in your lane because we don't mix. Techies hang out with techies and actors hang out with actors and you've got blah, 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 blah. And directors don't hang out with anyone. 
they're lone wolves, right? Yeah. But like, that's not this. No. That's not this. And the pandemic hit, and I feel like it kind of it asked people, it forced people. I don't know that it was asking, but it forced people to either step up. It forced people to go the extra mile. And I'm not saying that this is right or good even, but in that process of like being expected to be malleable and to shift. Mm -hmm. And in this shift, I feel like my love of theater was reignited mm. and I had been losing it over the course of 10 years. Um, and every day, every show, every project, I just fell less and less in love with it. I remember this Arvada center production I was yeah. talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Arvada center. But I remember getting called out by the costume designer after the fact, I got mm. a big old email that was basically sure. like blaming me. Like, hey, I heard you had some negative opinions about these burkas, and I just can't believe you didn't tell me about it because I could have done something about it had you said something, but blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm sorry, bitch. You are the, art you are the artist, not artistic director, executive directors, the executive director's wife, and I'm just an ensemble member in your production of Jesus Christ Superstar, and you really think it was my responsibility to tell you that this was offensive? that this was problematic, that maybe someone should have taken another look at like what the story is that we're telling about this. Mm -hmm. And this was in like, what, 2014? Like this was pre-Trump. Yeah. Yeah. This was pre-anyone actually acknowledging the nuance and and the racism and the the the, the implicit biases, implicit racism, yeah. the inherent racism that we all we all have. Mm -hmm. We are all racist in this country because we grew up here and this country is based and founded on racism. So like this was this was pre any of that. I thought I was not allowed to talk about racism? CRT. Uh, the start of the pod. Sorry. Yeah, no, truly. Even today, circle we're not back. allowed to talk about Let's critical race back. theory. Yeah. Exactly. We're still fighting this battle. So really, in 2014, as like a young 20-something who's just starting and like this was her biggest break, you really think it's my fault? Yeah. But, but, you're, but you're touching on something that I feel like is a problem for a lot of people in positions of power who are predominantly white in charge of theater companies or in charge of decision making yes. in these companies and it's not just theater it's it's production studios that are putting on films and TV shows and web yes, series sir. and so on and so forth you are passing the buck of doing your own research on educating yourself and those around you on what is acceptable and what's not and just think about it for a second could you imagine if me, this little young 20-something that got hired as fired. the understudy. Exactly. Fired. 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 If I or were to have cut. spoken up in that process and been like, hey, you guys, I really think it's problematic mm -hmm. that the only people of color in the show are wearing burkas. And even if that's not what would have happened, like let, let, let's give let's get the AC the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Maybe they maybe they rally and go like, sure, you're right. But is there a chance that they want like gravitate like we are conditioned to understand that standing up and speaking out in these certain cases could result in never getting a chance to work in this field at this particular space ever again that's something we're told the stakes are fucking high out here in colorado they're high 
Erwer. Yeah, but yeah, but, but like like everyone knows everyone and everyone do, knows yeah. everyone if in Colorado. Little thing. I got I another know, story for you. Man. I know directors who are like, if you're late to blacklisted, your black, oh shoot, like, write that shit yes, down. Yes. have a list, and if you sign up to audition for them again, they'll let you come yes. in, but they won't consider. And let's you. talk BIPOC actors, right? There's yeah. only a handful of us out here in these parts. You get blacklisted real quick. Yeah. So so let's talk about small world, small fucking world. So I do this show. Lily and I just kind of bebopped together around from show to show to show when we were out here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, real recognizes real. Well, when you do it, when you're when you're doing BIPOC work and then and then you find like two BIPOC artists who have chemistry and whatever. You just we just kept we just kept bebopping around the, mm-hmm. the the state. But we do a we do another production together. And it's a trio group and it's me and Lily and this other person and this other woman was white. Well, this bitch be coming into these rehearsals. Hella problematic, man. Hella racist all the time. And like day after day, it just chipped away at me. It just chipped away at me. One day it's like, and it's small. It starts small. One day it's just like, Satya, do you know any black actors? I'm like looking for some black actors to hire for something. Do you know anyone? Why are you asking me? There are other people in this room that are much more established and no more members of the community. And like, I don't know. Have you considered asking Sarah? I know she's white, but she knows way more people from that community than I do. Why are you coming straight to me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Small, small, small. Yeah. Small. Easily, easily dismissed. Next day. Oh my God, I went out drinking and I went to this bar and there was this like group of Mexicans that just like stole our table. And I'm just like, why are Mexicans so aggressive? Like, I just don't get it. But you're different, Satya. You're like a different kind of Mexican. But like, I don't understand why like Mexicans have to be like that. Right? Okay. (laughs) We just chip away. And things like that just kept happening, kept happening to the point where I was like, I am uninvested in this person and I keep pushing myself further and further away. One day I get an email from her. She's like, hey, I just want to reach out to you because I feel like the environment here is really toxic. The tension between us is really palpable. Okay, let's make this my problem. Let's make this my fault. Sure. And of course, like putting it in an email. I see you every day. If you want to have this conversation with me, let's have this conversation. Well, we did. We we did have the conversation to which I started to open up about some of the things that were problematic that I was experiencing on a daily basis. And I was just getting tired and I didn't and I didn't want the process to be tense for her. I didn't want it to be tense for me. It wasn't tense for me. I was making my choice. I was just backing out, letting her do her thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. OK, so but now this, it's on your doorstep. Well, right. So we have yeah. a conversation about it. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'm going to I'm going to bring you in on what's happening here. You're racist. And that's okay. We all are, but we got to acknowledge it. I clearly was much more kind and palatable about this conversation with her. I swear to you, could not be more kind. So then the show ends, whatever. This theater company hits me up afterwards. They want to do another production. They want to hire me for the production. And they're like, we just want to see, gauge your interest in this because this person, this individual We've also reached out to do the show, but they told us they will only do the show if you are not a part of it. Excuse me, what? Mm-hmm. And as a young BIPOC artist in Colorado, I can't, I can't have that negativity on my, my reputation. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna, so she's already telling people don't work with her, don't work with her, because why she says, she says, well, she's racist against white people. 
And that is the message she starts spreading to everybody in the community. And she's like well-known. She's well-known. She's well-loved. She's connected to people that mm -hmm. she's connected to the casting agents out here in, in Colorado. Yeah. And at the time that was my whole world. And, and I was just so like my whole world came crumbling because I was like, no, not my reputation. Not like, no, no, I'm not hard to work with. I work so hard. I work so hard to be palatable. I work so hard to not be hard to work with. I to go the extra mile to make sure white people love me. Mm. But she tells this theater company, I'll do your show. But as long as Satya is not working on it. But then they came to me and they were like, we just want to let you know this is what she said. And we're offering it to you first. Mm. So if you want it, we won't hire her. But if you don't want it, we're probably going to hire her. And I want it and I took it and they didn't hire her. Mm. But so cool there. Fine. I, I won that little battle. Fast forward. And I start hearing pe from people from all over the community. Oh, so-and-so is telling everyone that you're racist against white people. Is that true? Are you racist against white people? It's 2022 now. We know that's not real. Yeah. But at the time, people believed that was real. Yeah. And uh, and so I spent many years like trying to convince white people around me that I don't hate white people. Yeah. I hate whiteness. I hate what it has done. I hate what it represents. But white people, people are people, yeah. obviously, obviously. Our director of our show, right? I, I'm one of my best friends is white. <laughs> I have white friends. I don't hate white people. <laughs> they just call Honestly, us Honestly, that convinced me. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. There's a, there's a, <laughs> for, for those of you who remember the Colbert Rapport on Comedy Central, <laughs> whenever Stephen Colbert would pull out the picture with him and his black friend, <laughs> and it's, it's this guy that looks so disinterested, <laughs> and then Colbert's big cheese-eating grin with his arm wrapped around, like, yeah, you can't see the big open dopey face but yes i hear exactly what you're saying so fast forward a year and i've got agents out here in colorado and one of my agents decides to retire but who steps into her place this bitch this bitch became my agent for my last year in colorado and that was tense and i have to admit on public broadcast that when I moved from Colorado, I didn't actually tell my agent I was leaving. I didn't actually say goodbye. I didn't actually formally cut off from my agent. I just ghosted. I just ghosted my agent. This isn't a Tinder date. Come on now. I ghosted. <laughs> I left. And I'm sure I had a couple of emails at one point that were like, hey, are you interested in auditioning for this? Hey, where are you? Are you around? Did you leave? Did you move? I heard you moved. Where are you? Ghost. Nada. I'm out. Casper. When Casper I, I Caspered. I just left Colorado yeah. and never looked back. I was like so done. I was so done. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And guess what? What? I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> I am fine. Yeah. I'm doing okay. I have moved on. I have done other things. I have met other wonderful people. And I've learned that I don't have to make myself so palatable for everyone else. Um, but I'm also very lucky to exist in a time where that expectation is slowly starting to dissipate. I'm glad it feels that way. <laughs> I, I'm honestly, the I think it is. I think it really is yeah. slowly. Yeah. Starting to mm -hmm. dissipate that expectation. I had a conversation yesterday. Or at with the very least, I don't hold space for it anymore. That's. Yeah. 
there, there's a whole different philosophical conversation that, that can get super meta about sure. what you just said that I that I might table for later in this pod. But I I I, I like that. Not hold space for it. If you don't make the time for it, if you don't create the opportunity for that that brand of negativity to get into your sphere of existence, it's possible you never have to deal with it. And if it does come up, it's quickly dismissed. Yeah, if you ignore it, you don't have to deal with it. Well, I'm not talking ghost, about ignoring. If you ghost, I'm, you don't have to deal with it. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about that, though. I'm not talking about that. Like you, you, you can surround yourself with the right peeps. And the right messaging and the what have you to get sure, you going in the right direction to where you steer clear of that stuff. Because as we've learned, just just being a person existing in the world, you get uh, we got a little spill. I spilled. It's okay. You get these. There are people who have particular tendencies. To not be the nicest of people, and I'm being I'm sugarcoating, obviously. Sure. That are in all walks of life, at different levels of success or yeah. hierarchy. For sure. Let's use the phrase hierarchy. That we we're not anticipating and ever encountering, and then bam, we encounter them, and yeah. There's a there's a there's an adjustment period that has to take place, and sometimes we allow that to be a very quick one, or sometimes we, it's something that we have to jockey with for a, a quite a long amount of time. This has really turned into the spiciest episode of the Ghost Light podcast. I, it, it, it got real. It the is. tea was spilt. It is. It yeah. got spicy. Yeah, we're, it's. Uh, I've got. I've got some paper towel on the table. <laughs> we're cleaning up. We're cleaning up. But here's the thing, too. The, what I loved about what you just said is, I'm okay. Right. Yeah. You've had these experiences, yeah. and here you are. You've where that I'm and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. Okay, I will. You're in this new position right now yeah. where you've kind of maybe not new position. You're in this place in your life right now where you acknowledge what you are good at. Yeah. I'd like to think I acknowledge what I'm good at. Yeah. Yes. And you're leaning into that. Yes. Yeah. So performance, creating, writing, singing, mm, totally. all those things you've got. Like, I know I do this and it brings me joy. In the you know, mm-hmm. if I'm in the right scenario, sure. it brings me joy. That's the stuff I'm going to lean in, lean into. I'm sure you've got goals that you've set along for yourself, and you've got the skill in those areas in the field that you want to be a part in, performing arts, where it's hard to deny that, and you're still getting opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Here we are, 2022. Yeah, years after this particular situation, totally. Years after the the these changes with your agency. And here you are. I think that's a great message for people out there who are experiencing these things that are afraid. Yeah. Still. Because. Yeah. Afraid of being blacklisted. Afraid of being gaslit. Afraid of. Afraid of not being heard. Afraid of being misinterpreted. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's that fear that keeps us silent. It's that fear that keeps us from progressing. We have to just. We don't have to. No one has to do anything. I'm not telling anyone to do anything. You do what you got to do to take care of yourself. Do what we each can. But I'm certainly at a point where I do not hold space for it anymore. And I will address the racism, the problematic behaviors that come into my life, even the microaggressions on a day to day. We are going to talk about them. I'm just going to call attention to it. And like, if that makes you uncomfortable, that's for you to hold. I'm not holding on to that. Yeah. 
Um, so yes, yes to everything you said. Absolutely. Yeah, and and that's and I think that's that's crucial. It took a great deal of self work. Yeah, some time with yourself to kind of get to that place where you can. Yeah, didn't COVID give us all of that though? COVID, I certainly hope COVID so. gave us that time to sit and reflect. I mean, some of us developed um, really awesome baking skills, and some of us really developed some good coping skills. And some bad drinking habits. No. No. <laughs> I did drinking and baking. <laughs> Combine the two. Dan drinks and bakes I just every poured day. tequila into my sourdough loaf. <laughs> that sounds actually really good. I think that, yeah. Should we, yeah. Uh, folks at home... With your brand new sourdough recipe, buy yourself a bottle of Luna Azul. Yeah, Luna Azul. Luna, Luna Azul. Oh, I see. Luna Azul. It's one word. Luna Azul. Luna Azul. Luna it's got Azul a wolf reposado. on the bigger bottles. That's why I bought it. It's on the wolf. <laughs> Sponsor us. Sponsor us. Actually, I'm going I'm going to say, yes, Luna, that'd be great. That'd be a great starting off point. I'm trying to get that uh, Casa Azul. Yeah, Clase. Clase Azul. Clase Azul. Blue class. Blue class. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at the head of the class with yeah. all the colors right now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. Anyway, we move, we move away from this important conversation. Yes, we live. We keep going. We yeah. keep stepping forward, step by step. We because take steps. Because there is... There is something to be said to stay there. That we we get we get ourselves stuck in this mire and we burn ourselves out on it. Yeah. And then maybe maybe the fight doesn't seem that important. I'll try and find something where I don't have to worry about this shit anymore. Right. And we walk away. And maybe that's not necessarily living our truth. Not living the another cliche is our best life, but doing the things that make us happy. And I would say that the key to a, a solid life well lived is to being able to do what makes you happy without hurting other people. I think that's pretty close. Sure, why not? Sure. Well, I'll put that on the bumper sticker. What were some of the things that you focused on to help you steer yourself through that time, through those trials? Oh, God. No, I, I don't know that. I wish, I wish I was like a mindfulness expert and I, I had been focusing my energies other places to so I could rise above no no I was messy about it I was petty about it I was pissed about it I remember getting angry when someone told me that that the rumor was in the in the industry that I was racist against white people and I was like because I knew that wasn't a thing but no one else knew that wasn't a thing you know how infuriating that is to have people point fingers at you and say you're a racist and you're like I literally couldn't be if I tried man like that's not true either. The Latinos can be racist. Absolutely. And we are all racist in this country. But like against white people, I could try my damnedest and I couldn't. And so and so it was just totally infuriating. I, I did not take it well. I was not. I did not rise above. I stooped and I was like, fuck this bitch. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I was not great. Um, but I had good people in my life who listened and respected me and made me feel heard and seen. And those people pulled me out. Those people lifted me up. And one of those people is Lily Hokama. Lily. She's my best friend. She's the person that, that Sam and I did a show with way back when. That's right. Um, She'll be a future guest. On she's the, the one that had to make out with Abner. <laughs> We've got a built-in question. Yeah. <laughs> I've, 
I've kissed Abner. It's it's a uh, it's a good time for me. <laughs> it's a good time for me. I don't know about everyone else. Oh, I love my, my girlfriend love you, at the time. You met Kristen, yeah. right? Yeah, my girlfriend at the time. She was she was a huge saving grace in that. Mm. Um, and uh, and just getting out, I left. Mm. Like I just kept putting my career first. I kept putting one foot in front of the other, and I didn't give up. Nice. Um, and that's. I'm still on that trajectory Absolutely. because I, I still have days where I want to, I want to mm. quit. I want to, that the industry asks, asks too much of people, um, especially it's people of color. Mm. And I just, I just kept going. Yeah. And this is a game of endurance. This whole industry is a game of endurance. It's a marathon. It's a marathon and it's, and people drop out. Yeah. People quit left and right, especially in their early 20s, early 30s. Like they quit. They quit. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's hard. And if you don't have the thick skin to keep moving forward and keep pushing through, it breaks you. And if and if and if you quit, it's because you're meant to quit because it's like it's not meant for everybody. It's yeah. it's gr grueling. Yeah. Um, so if there's anything, I mean, that, I feel like that was always the advice given to me mm -hmm. in this industry. It's like when, when college kids ask, what's the, what's the biggest piece of advice you'd give a young actor? Mm -hmm. Well, the advice is if there's literally anything else in this in the world that you can imagine yourself doing, do that instead. Because this ain't it. Because there's not money in this until you are Beyonce or J-Lo or Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Like there's no money in it until there's money in yeah. it. Yeah. It's just like the rest of a capitalist capitalistic system. You yeah. are working for the people that are making the most. There are other countries, Canada, yeah. who gives artists benefits. Your face. Yeah. God damn it. Other countries actually support their artists. This country does not. This is a grind capitalist mentality. Yeah. Well, because they're all afraid we're going to become celebrities who tweet about the environment. <laughs> I don't know that that's the case. I feel like that's a new wave too, right? Yeah. Celebrities tweeting about the environment. That's a new movement that's just being imposed. On well, the they've industry, stopped tweeting. Now Now they're writing movies. Oh, come on. We yeah. got to. Yeah. More don't movies, Don't look up. Please. Shout outs on Netflix. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, an Oscar, it's got an Oscar buzz. Yeah? It's got an Oscar buzz. Oh, cool. I didn't it know. It could happen. It could know. happen. So yeah, so yeah. I think I mean if I was what what is the advice I give to someone who Yeah, what's your ghost light? We're not done yet, but let's uh, let's ask oh, that, that question. Oh, that's this the is, ghost but you're, light you you vote this is see this is like the organic process. Oh god. Well, you it. asked me you said you prepped me earlier. You were like, yeah. "What's your ghost light?" That's the question I'm going to wrap this up with. And my ghost light is therapy. <laughs> oh my god, get therapy. a therapist. Nice. Oh, it's 2022 and we all should be in therapy. Hell yes. But I also think um I mean, I also think just endurance, um, finding ways that allow you to keep going. Mm -hmm. So if that's surrounding yourself with good people that will support you and will lift you up and when you're down, you know, surrounding yourself with, with people that aren't going to gossip about you or break mm. you down or tell you you're not good enough or whatever just surround yourself with people good people that believe in you yeah. um people uh, doing what you can to to find the strength to keep moving forward taking the breaks where you need to go on a freaking hike find your hobbies um uh 
trying to think of things I do. I'm a, I'm a runner, right? I'm a jogger. Mm. I'm a runner. I, I like mm. to hike. I like to, uh, that those are the ways I take care of myself. I like to isolate. That's how I take care of myself. Mm. Um, uh, living, living in the silence, learning from the silence. Uh, I used to be someone who always needed people around. I always needed people around so I didn't have to process my shit. Mm-hmm. As long as there's someone else around, I can just talk to them and, and mm. distract myself from the demons. Um, but like finding what in whatever way that means in whatever way you can finding the strength to keep moving forward because like we were just saying people be dropping out left and right and that just filters through who's meant to do this and who isn't meant to do this mm-hmm. so if you're meant to do this you just keep going yeah, yeah. that's my ghost light i guess absolutely and and if and therapy <laughs> I, I, I echo the sentiments around therapy. <laughs> therapy was a huge help for me. And uh, I would probably not be performing if I didn't find therapy yeah. when I was in middle and high school. Oh, wow. Not to say that I don't, I no longer need it. I probably oh, still yeah. need a good therapist. But, you know, healthcare and things of that nature, it's not necessarily a guarantee. But I just finished my Luna Sul. Was it worth it? Let me work it. I put my thing down, flip, flip it, it, and reverse, reverse it. it. Very good. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. 10 out of 10. I got a bottle at home. Um, you left the state of Colorado. I did. And started working on some things. And Lots of things. And I was, I, was, I was a fortunate person to be able to stalk you via Instagram. To nice. See some of those things. Um, I, no shame in the, in the Instagram stalking game. If you follow somebody, you can see everything. Yeah, even that's if the they point of Instagram. That's yeah. what we do it for. I so do that shit all the time. Talk to me about you were in the La Mariachi. American Mariachi. That's American yeah. Mariachi. Talk to me about that experience. It, it, in general. Yeah. I mean, I mean, how did you get involved in that? Because it felt like I was vaguely aware of your your leaving Colorado. I was like, I think I was like hip to it. Maybe you'd posted something about it, and then shortly thereafter, there was posts about this, and it became a it felt like it was more than just a regular run of the show. It felt like it, it, it was something you did for an extended period of time. Totally. And I was, was super lucky. Yeah. I was, that one, I was that one bitch that like kept getting cast in every production. Nice. Um, different cast, different groups, but I, I was like the common thread. I'd keep bebopping. Mm-hmm. Um, so American Mariachi. American Mariachi. I left Colorado to go do an apprenticeship at Actors Theater of Louisville in Kentucky. And while I was out there, um, I got connected with an agent that I always wanted to work with in Chicago. Mm. Um, we did a little, we did a little showcase casting agents, directors, whatever agencies came out to come watch it. The agent I wanted wasn't there. And I was like, God damn it. And I met up with someone who was there, a casting director who was there, who happened to be best friends with the agent that I wanted. So when we met and I was like, actually, she asked me, who, oh, is there, are you, are you connecting with someone? Are you looking for an agent? I was like, yeah, they're not here. This is actually who I want to work with. She says, oh shit. Well, that's my best friend. I'm going to call her right now. So just like that, I'm on a FaceTime with the agent that I want. Um, and so, um, through, was it through my agent? Somehow after that apprenticeship ended, I actually came back to Colorado to sell the house that my partner at the time owned. Mm. And um, 
and I got just an audition notice to audition for this production of American Mariachi. And it started here at the Denver Center. Oh, sweet. They did workshops and they developed it here in Colorado and in California, too, I think. Anyway, um, naturally, I had left as soon as they started doing that here in Colorado. I was gone, so I wasn't available. Hmm. But I get a call to do it, and I submit an audition, and I get cast as, uh, you know, one of the one of the side characters, um, and they asked me to learn how to play the trumpet. So I spent a couple months learning how to play the trumpet, and I'm I'm a musician at heart, and I've I totally pride myself like i think one of my special skills is that i can pick up any instrument and i'm not saying i can master it here's a kazoo go yeah no i'm kidding yeah yeah challenge me a little bit more shall we how about this the bass accordion i just happened to awesome um no so so they so they asked me to they asked me to accompany myself playing an instrument for the show. And at the time I was playing guitar or my baritone ukulele is my favorite little thing. It's travelable. I love it. It's basically a small guitar mm. strung the same way. Um, so I get cast as a little side character. I spend months learning how to play the trumpet. I go into, I fly out to Arizona for this production and the woman playing the, one of the leads quits and they do like a little jumble around of the cast to fill in the slot. So I get bumped up to that track and that track plays guitar. And I'm like, easy, I got that already. So before I know it, I'm playing this character and this character is inherently queer. She's inherently indigenous, right? She's a brown Mexican woman. And, um, and in retrospect, it like happened exactly as it was supposed to. Nice. Um, but I fell in love with this character. And this character just carried so many identities. And I had so many connections to this character in, in bigger ways than I did the character I was originally cast as. And then that production happens. And we decide to move. Uh, they, they, the, an artistic director decides to take it to a different theater company. And I get a call to do it. Um, and a lot of the actors that did it in Arizona were California actors, so they hired a lot of those actors to do that production. And then I was the one, I was the one like out of state guy that they were like, yeah, but we need Bolly, we need Bolly, we need this bitch to be Bolly, and they <laughs> can't find someone else to do that. So they just kept bringing me along, and ta- yeah. I kept tagging along. And then, um, and then it got produced at the Goodman and Dallas Theater Center. And that was a whole different game, different ball game, fully real reimagined production. And I became that like one connecting thread that connected the past productions to this production. I was also the like one of two of the first indigenous actors to be put into this story. Mm-hmm. Um, because Latinidad is not a monolith, but all of the Latin American actors we see these days are white actors. Um, so you don't see a lot of brown Latino actors making it. Times are changing, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean, that show in its entirety, it's about a group of women who want to play mariachi music, but mariachi music is pl- uh, traditionally played by men. And so it's set in the 1970s mm. and this group of girls wants to play mariachi, but they're fighting against the patriarchy. They're fighting against the father of this story who says, no, you have to stay home and take care of your mom. And, and, uh, and by the end of the show, they end up not spoilers, but they end up 
achieving the goal and becoming a mariachi band. And the whole messaging of that, right? The whole, the whole messaging of it is, is profound, but even deeper, the, the deeper little threads to that is that this show Mm -hmm. was creating opportunities for Latina actors that I had never seen before. Mm -hmm. It was a game changer. Jose Cruz Gonzalez wrote it. Um, and, uh, and every cast, I would I would see this bond form amongst this group of five women who would learn how to play. Every rehearsal process would ask these actors to learn how to play an instrument, a mariachi instrument, whether that's trumpet or violin or guitarron. Because when I went and did it in Dallas, and um, I actually ended up dropping the Goodman because the Goodman happened after COVID. Our Dallas production got interrupted by COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up getting cast as a different character for that production. And I played what was a giant mariachi bass guitar with like six big fat strings that give you the calluses of a lifetime. And it was really fucking hard. It was really fucking hard, but I loved it cause I love a fucking challenge. So, um, so it was just giving, it was giving actors opportunities mm-hmm. and to bring this back to refuge. I was having this conversation last night with the donor for the show. This is the tea. Uh-oh. Thank we that. Thank we that. Cheers to the tea. Cheers, Cheers to the tea. I'm of sure. course, Sam already finished his goddamn orchata beer. I'm sure there's something in there. Yeah. I'm the worst. Do you have a paper towel? Um, it's it's been folded up. God damn it. I'm That's the worst. Right. I it's like it. the you like that scene in airplane. This is where you developed your drinking problem. No, no. It's on this it, podcast. Cuz he misses. He, he misses. He misses his mouth. That's the drinking problem. It's a joke. Anyway. Anyway, um, this conversation came up last night about accessibility. I want Refuge to be as accessible a show as possible. I want anyone anywhere to be able to put it on with whatever budget you have access to. And what came up last night was, well, Satya, your show's not actually that accessible because you really need unicorns to be able to pull it off. And that meaning, I'll explain to you, Dan. Dan gave the most quizzical, like, unicorns? What does that mean? Sharp left. What is that? I'm going to tell you. People have often called me a unicorn because I am an actor. I was trained as an actor, but I'm also a musician because my whole life has been a musician. And I'm also a singer and whatever. And now I'm also a writer and yeah. a composer and blah, blah, blah. You don't see that. You don't see all of that Mm-mm. in brown people. True. <laughs> what? <laughs> The first thing we've heard Dan say in a while. Dan set up a mic, by the way, during our little during our little break, and now yeah. it's for that moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm really glad. I'm really glad we got your input for that one. You don't see, but but that's that's the mentality, right? You don't see all of that yeah. in brown people. That's hard to find. Satya, you're a unicorn <laughs> yeah. because that's hard to find. But like. That's hard to find because we don't invest in these people to be able to continue to develop their careers that no, way. No. I got motherfucking lucky that I'm looking at your face. I hear you being like, you're talented, though. It's not luck. It's talent. But, like, opportunity is luck. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just want to – I just – yeah, the face of incredul- incredulity that I just gave you is, like – It sucks that you have that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like it shouldn't be luck. That's why it shouldn't be. Yeah, it You're shouldn't be luck. Right. It shouldn't be luck. You it want a meritocracy? 
if you want a meritocracy, then you gotta do you gotta do the work. Yeah. You gotta do the work well, and create opportunities. Right. And and because we exist in a world that that hasn't divvied up those opportunities equally, mm-hmm. some of us have fallen behind. Whole races of people have fallen behind. And so the only way to bring them up, you can't just expect them to have the skill sets that all of their white counterparts have. You've got to give them extra opportunity, extra support where they can get it so that they can also start to meet that. Equality is not giving everyone the same resources. Equality is adjusting the resources based on what people have had the privilege, the access to based on what their needs are. Uh, my favorite image, right, is of... Uh, those people standing at a fence, right? Yeah. And so you've got that like really short person. And like, if everyone's got the same level of box to step on, to look over the fence, then they should have the same opportunities. But like, no, a short person is not going to have the same vantage point as a tall person Mm -hmm. standing on the same two foot box. You got to give them an extra couple of feet anyway. Yeah. So American Mariachi was one of those projects, opportunities that, uh, that believed in me in the first in the first place to step up to the challenge of learning a new instrument and then learning another instrument and then again learning a third instrument for that show also providing that same opportunity for other women mm-hmm. um and give and and also in doing all of that instilling the confidence in me that like oh yeah well I'm not just an actor. I'm a multi-instrumentalist. I play guitar. I play trumpet. I play, I play guitarron. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to the things I already played prior to that, right? Yeah. So so there's that. Um, and so in this, and so the T from last night is that, excuse me, um, <clears throat> this conversation that always comes up of like, this actually is a very hard show to do because to find actors that can sing that are also brown, that's hard. It's hard because you've never tried. It's hard because you're not doing your homework. I've done my part. I've written the show. I've written the opportunity for people. Now Mm. you do your part. Literally, your job as a theater company is to find the talent. Do you know what's also hard? Being an individual to take the time to learn those instruments, to learn how to sing, to learn how to act. That's difficult. Yeah. That's a lifetime of work. Yeah, it is a lifetime of work. It's a lifetime of work. And to be at the skill level that it sounds like you're expecting them to be, and you're there, you're a genius at it, right? That's hard work. I've done the hard work. It's okay if other places do the hard work too, to meet us here. And I appreciate, I appreciate what I'm hearing from them, right? I appreciate the feedback yeah. of like, Satya, you are special. Thank you. Yeah. I'm going to hold on to that. I want to believe I'm special. Thank you very much. Yeah. But also, I think it's really lazy, for theater companies to say, it's actually really hard to find those kinds of artists. It's actually really, and we're sitting at a table with a donor, right? The artistic director is saying, your show's not actually very accessible because you're asking people to, you're asking theater companies to find brown people that can check off these boxes. I'm sorry, if you were asking for a theater company to find white people to check off these boxes, this is a hella accessible show. And because really there's one musician, Dan saw the show the other night, everybody, mm-hmm. there's one musician and then there are six other actors. Yeah. And all we ask of those actors is to be able to become their characters, to hold a harmony. And for those like Sam also be puppeteers. 
But that's not my fault. I had nothing to do with the no, puppeting. No, the no. puppeting came with the show. I just yeah. brought the music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Puppet, the puppeting is awesome. Don't let the don't let the sweat rad. don't let the sweat in my back page fool you. Like I'm loving the shit out of those moments. I'm loving the shit out of those moments. Continue. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. But I but I think we are giving whole entire communities of people. Um, we're not giving them enough credit. Mm. Um, and we are giving theater companies way too much credit to assume that they don't have the resources or the capability to just do their homework and find people, mm-hmm. find people. They're out there. I was out there. Yeah. I was out there. Honestly, the, I, I think they're wrong because the, the feeling of the show was that a community of anybody could put it on and whether it was in perfect harmony or not, the fact that they were trying is more like your family sings songs yes, at holidays exactly. and it is out of tune. It's not and supposed it do, to be it perfect. Does, it's not supposed to be perfect. And I think that's the whole show has an, uh, a communal imperfection to it. And yeah. so the fact that they want it to be perfect is kind of a misreading of it. Look, when it goes to Broadway, you can cast all the people that can fan kick all day long for it. Totally, right. Totally. But like, how do they become Lynn Manuel's by opportunity? I literally, here's another to fucking tail. Cause I've got many. Remember Shout when out you, to Lynn. Can he get on the pod? Keep going. <laughs> but all I was going to say, yeah. all I was going to say is the first time I worked at Curious Theater Company, and that's the theater company that decided to produce our show, Refuge, um, that commissioned commissioned me to write the music for it. Um, when I first got my first opportunity to work with them, uh, I had maybe been playing my ukulele, which is a baritone ukulele, which I don't know why I feel the pressure to like clarify that because it's it's different it's harder on your fingies it's steel stringed it's the four bottom strings of a guitar it's basically a guitar minus two strings um and so i had just been on that instrument for maybe two months prior to booking this gig and he asked me do you think you could play music for like all the transitions of the show that we're doing and i was like yeah 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 because like every good every good mexican would be like yeah absolutely say yes and then youtube it later to figure out how to answer the question right so I said, absolutely. And I jumped right in. And I think this is actually my ghost light answer. Okay. Um, I jumped right in and it was terrifying. It was terrifying. I was like, I was, I was Mari. Mm. I was the sole musician for a show that I had never done that before. And a professional theater company was asking me to do that for the first time. That's opportunity. That opportunity opened a goddamn motherfucking door that just kept opening more and more and more doors. So now here I am three years ago getting a call from Curious saying, hey, we've got this play and we think it could really benefit from some music. Do you think you'd be interested? We'd pay you a couple thousand dollars to write music for this show. So I wrote three songs for the show, something I'd never done. I was an actor, I was not a writer. I did not write music. Mm -hmm. I write music now. That is who I am, and it's who I was meant to be, but I never had the support, the, the trust, the, the community behind me to say, you can do it. Mm-hmm. You're totally capable. I didn't know I was capable, and it took that opportunity to be able to do that. So I think my ghost light answer, what, did I, what do I wish someone had told me, or what do I wish I had, I had known ahead of time, and it, 
it's hard to know it because you have to experience totally. it. But it's my re relationship to fear. Mm. I think if I can give anyone advice, it's that if the thing that is being asked of you is scary, and obviously like suss that out how you will. If it's too scary, then don't do it. It's probably too scary. But if it's scary and it's terrifying because you know it's meant to push you, you gotta do it. You yeah. gotta do it. Just develop a healthy relationship with fear so that so that in the future you can you can have that gauge. Mm -hmm. This is scary. It means I'm learning. Yeah. It means I'm not perfect. It means I still have room to grow. Yeah. And uh, and that's absolutely where I am now. Our musician for the show, her name's Mari. Um, she's been telling me on a daily basis every time we go on stage, she's like, my hands keep cramping when I go on. She's never been the sole musician for a show before. This is, I'm literally watching myself five years ago. Mm. Like, step onto the stage terrified. Will my fingers work today? And she, and and I think on the show you saw even, she was like, my fingers just stopped playing the top of the show, my fingers just didn't want to move. And when you're playing a guitar and with the pl intricate plucking patterns that I have composed for her, you need your fingers to be nimble. You, they got to move. They got to keep moving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I know that fear and I know that this show is going to push her to overcome that fear, which is only going to open her up to be able to tackle the next tier of fear. Yeah. And that's the point of all of this. Mm -hmm. That's that like I'm cheesing. I'm cheesing right now because yeah. that's that's all I wanted growing up. It are shows like American Mariachi, like Refuge, that I could look up to, aspire to, to see other people who looked like me doing. Representation fucking Rep matters. That's on representation, man. That's on representation. And were it not for Lynn Manuel, were it yeah. not for Brian Quijada, who's um another Latino American playwright um, who wrote, who writes live looping musicals. Um, we're not for people like that. And, and granted, these aren't men. I have yet to see a woman, an indigenous woman doing this shit mm -hmm. in, in the American musical theater world. No, that doesn't exist. And so I'm, I'm already having to impose my narrative on bodies that are not like mine but like but were it not for those people yeah. i would not have even for a second believed i could do it that it was even a possibility and i think of all of the people before me who were shorted of opportunities who were shorted of the trust who were shorted of the ability to be able to push themselves so that they could also become the quote-unquote unicorns mm -hmm. that everyone's been talking about mm -hmm. right like like I think back, I think Frederick Douglass is the guy who said it, that like Einstein says, ask a fish to climb a tree, you'll think he's an idiot. I so butchered that, <laughs> paraphrase that. Yeah, Keep Google going. it, Google Keep it. Going. It's something about like fish climbing trees, right? Fish if you, climbing, yep. I'm waiting. A tree quote. Um, let's see, everybody is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. Albert Einstein That's is basically what credited I said. for this wonderful quote, but it may have actually come from a variety of different sources. Which, Makes sense. Which is quite fitting given its subject matter. The internet yeah. for the dub. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. For the record, I'm proud of how I bastardized that. I was I'm, pretty close. I'm here for you. Because when you said Frederick Douglass and then Einstein, I was like, I don't know if they were contemporaries. No, no, no. So, so I'm <laughs> right. Totally, totally. Yeah. Einstein said that shit about like asking a fish to climb a tree. But Frederick gotcha. Douglass made a comment about, okay. about how like the, the number of people who have, who have been lacking opportunity, like who, who knows the geniuses that could have existed from yeah. all kinds of communities of co color, from enslaved people that were just never given the opportunity. Yeah. It's a real detriment to humankind. Like, who knows how many fucking, uh, I was going to say Steven Spielberg, but that's not what I meant to say. I meant to say Sondheim, mm -hmm. right? Who knows how many black Sondheims were out there but but didn't even get to be born but didn't yeah. well that actually i didn't mean to jump into that territory that didn't get to to live past yeah. their childhood yeah. um or you know like i'm th i'm talking black communities i'm talking latino communities i'm talking asian communities i'm talking i'm talking all of us who were told we are less than mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over again mm -hmm. And it is a fucking miracle you and I are sitting here today. Yeah. yeah. That like we have any kind of belief in ourselves. It's a miracle. Mm -hmm. So to conclude, because I can really go boop, 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 boop in every direction. I would say to those people out there that want to explore a career in this industry, if there's literally anything else in this world that you would rather do, do that. But if there isn't, endurance is key. Your relationship to fear is key. If it's scary, it's because you are learning, you are growing. It means that there is, mm -hmm. there is a reason that you are there. There's a reason that you have to keep going. Absolutely. Um, and if it's not scary, then it's not very exciting, is it? Mm -hmm. I will say this. We opened up that show and those lights came up and there was all those people and they were jumping out of their feet. And I haven't felt that excited at a curtain call <laughs> in a long fucking time. It is. We finished the show yeah. and ended the blackout on opening. In the blackout, everyone leapt to their feet. Yeah. Granted, you saw the Friday night show and we made many changes. We made many changes between Friday night and Saturday opening. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> but it's, it, but that, but yeah, I was scared to death. The day one, when we were like, "Oh, there's a lot of singing that's going to be asked of me." Okay, this isn't this isn't me drunk at a karaoke bar thinking I can do John Legend. This is me. This is me trying to like match. And over the course of the process, Sam, for the record, you sing better than you think you do. Uh, you I can know. hold pitch. You can I hold know. tone. Don't think you can sing John Legend? I know I can <laughs> sing John Legend. Can sing John I know I can sing John Legend. I know I can. But but. It's one of those things that like there's there's a there is a resistance because what was hard was just learning the lines and creating a character, right? Years yeah. ago, that's what was difficult. Yeah. And so what was easier was just learning the lines and creating a character and not having to sing. So I went that path. Mainly because I was I was having some situations, some issues with some people back in college who did predominantly musical theater. Fuck college, man. I don't need to Fuck name those college. I don't need to name those names. <laughs> I need to put you on blast. I will say, I'm one of the few that's I don't still mean to working. Name names, but Craig, I'm, still I'm looking working. at you, Phineas. <laughs> 
Phineas. There's no Phineas. Oh, I was just like, there's also no Craig. There's a Craig. There's also no Craig. You know who there is though? Chris. Chris. Chris told me. Chris told me it would be hard for me to arrange music for my acapella group because I was a woman. Yeah. Oh, it's it's really hard. You're probably gonna need my help. You're a girl. It's hard. <laughs> okay, Chris. Hey, do, fuck you. I'm starting my own acapella group. Mic drop. So our first, what? Our first Ghost Lights sticker, bumper sticker is going to be the Ghost Lights podcast. Fuck Chris. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Fuck Chris. Fuck Chris. Because you all got a Chris out there. Everyone's got Everyone's a Chris. Got a Chris. Don't listen to Chris. You're better than everyone. That. There's there's been someone in your life that told you that it's it's harder than you think. You you know, don't don't do it. It's not easy. What makes you think you can do it? Jay Z's got a great quote. It's like. You can't do this. Like, no, you can't. That's why you're telling me no. You're telling me no because you don't trust yourself to get it. Don't project that shit onto me. I'm a unicorn. Okay. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. The only unicorn I ever saw was a Pegasus, and that was at the beginning of TriStar, and that's what I thought, like the TriStar movies. You remember the the white unicorn that would come on from the left side of the screen and then run towards the center of the screen and then jump and then... explaining it. I still don't know it. All right, TriStar. (laughs) Um, There's there's people at home that know exactly what I'm talking about. They watch a lot of movies at home. It's totally fine. You don't need to. You don't need to. There was a... (laughs) Oh, God. I'm going to stop myself before I, I go down that road. Anyway... I, I, I'm saying that that's what I thought a unicorn was. It turned out to be a Pegasus. Anyway, you write. You create these opportunities. You can find more of these talented people. Or develop them. And develop them and cultivate them. Yes. And, and, and that is not necessarily something to be put as a feather to be plucked into your cap. It is just what the business should be and should ask of people. Oh my God, I'm going to insist. We, we, if you create, like, if you do things right, people won't be sure you've done anything at all. If you feel like you got to draw attention to that, what you deem is doing something right every day, that's a hard thing to swallow. And it's not, necessarily you doing something on like motivated for altruistic purposes you're motivated because you want to draw attention away from what you really feel and fear Mm -hmm. and and when you create those spaces i'm now doing a hard left Hmm. hard left get the you know we're doing the Tokyo Drift on this, yes, this thing. Yes, Tokyo Drift, that shit. Oh, shit. I say sharp left all the time when I change conversation, but I think I'm going to say Tokyo Drift. I certainly on. hope you will. Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Tara Drift follow, does follow not get enough here. love. Does not get enough love in the Fast and Furious canon. Don't get me started on the canon. Please yes, don't damn. get him started on yeah, the Fast and Furious. That's a, that's a new, that's a completely different podcast. It's just me re-watching everyone, every single movie while I make something in the slow cooker. <laughs> Anyway, you guys start a YouTube series now. Yeah, so we we, we pop that break, hand break. <laughs> we make the this hard the left. Furious, slow and the curious. <laughs> they, ne- they should have never gave Dan the microphone. <laughs> Any- anyway, to wrap to wrap and surmise, create these opportunities. Not because it feels like it's something that you should do, but because it's something that has to happen. You want to 
ask other people to create easier things that are that have lived a brown right or you know a bipoc experience what are you asking me are you asking me to simplify you're yeah you're what you're asking is for us to dumb it down yes and i just screamed that into the mic it's totally fine he's got his hand on he's got his hand on the 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 levels yes (laughs) but we can know like what you are experiencing over the last four years is a is the pendulum yes swinging back hard in another direction because it refuses to dumb it down any longer you can't avoid it anymore the numbers are there the videos are there the terrifying videos are still there this the the terrifying realities that this is not just an american problem that it is an everywhere problem because it was systematic and it was bred into us and we were colonization hit us all man it got it got everybody it got everybody it got everybody don't feel bad. <laughs> Don't feel bad, white America. It got everybody. Do better. Yeah. Do better. Do the hard work of doing better. Yeah. Me saying this as a Navajo Irishman who's been predominantly seen as a white man his entire life, I have to do better. Yeah. I fail daily, moment to moment in some cases. I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to get perfect. I'm not asking you to create this perfect world where we all live in harmony because that's unattainable. What I'm asking you to do is at least endeavor to do the hard work. And I feel like that's somewhat of what my guest is asking you to do. She is. They are. We are she, they kind of person. We ask you, just try. Endeavor to do the hard work. Because that's, if you do the endeavoring to do that, if you try, and you got nothing to question yourself about, you can go to sleep a whole hell of a lot easier and you don't have to worry about those doubts or maybe why that one person has got tension with you in the room all of a sudden and you don't and you don't know why it's probably because you weren't addressing these hard things and you weren't tackling this from a from a better perspective this or is maybe real- you're racist against white people i don't know you never know you yeah, never know these days <laughs> you know that is there is something to be said for that and i and, it, and, it, and i and i like we are, you we made the joke earlier. I have white friends. I have a white mom. Yeah, I have a white mom. My yeah. mom. Yes, I should have started with that. That's a much stronger debate. My what? My mom is my white is mom. Yeah. My mom is white. How can I be racist against white people? We we I love where I came from. I love who I am. But it took a long fucking time to say, I love who I am. It took me a really long time. I'm 38. I might have started doing this maybe four years ago. I might have started doing this work like four years ago. And I got a whole, I've got a whole long walk that I'm going to take one day. I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the Bosque Redondo and I'm going to bring water that my people did not have. And I'm going to leave my phone at my fucking hotel, which I'll have the luxury to use. Mm-hmm. And I'll have a backpack with a tent and, a, and, a, and an air mattress and a couple of blankets. And I'm going to walk that thing with or without my dog, Mike. And I'm going to do that shit alone because I need to do that journey. Because I feel like if I do that, maybe I can put down a lot of my, my drama and the resistance that I encountered from native indigenous people who saw me predominantly as white. Yeah. It's not easy, and one of the reasons why it's not easy to do this work is because we have done a fantastic job of creating labels, building walls, and putting people in boxes for centuries. When you say everyone's racist, 
I wouldn't have agreed with you five years ago. I do now. I do now. Everyone in this country especially. We've got these things that we've experienced that we don't really know where it comes from, maybe. You know, we can't put words to it. It was indoctrinated. It was taught to us. They're ripping pages out of history textbooks right the fuck now, people. They're burning books right the hell now. Mm -hmm. They're telling people to label trans kids. They're telling people to call CPS on parents of trans kids for for encouraging them to find their identities. Right? This stuff is happening. Not just the... and, And it's happening today in 2022. And we are more aware of it now than we've ever been before. And we're not just talking about putting good stuff on stages and screens. We're talking about creating places of peace and safety in all walks of life. Yeah. Your schools, your businesses, your coffee shops, your laundromats, mm-hmm. what have you. This has been the Ghost Lights Podcast. This is episode 86. I hope you still listen to us going forward. We got... <laughs> A lot more episodes coming your way. I want you to go out there and get tickets to Refuge right now. I want get you to get tickets. Oh my God. See it at its beginning stage. This is its this is its okay. Yes, Refuge, we started like collaborating on this like three years ago, but this is its first production. It's already already signed up to get two more in Kansas City, Kansas, Unicorn Theater, and Theater Lab FAU in Boca Raton, Florida. Like those are already in the books. They're happening. And the people after of that, Florida need to see this play. Yes, they do. Yes, mm-hmm. they do. And after that, fingers crossed, dreams high, hopes high. It will continue to have a life. But like, if you want to see it on the ground floor, this mm-hmm. is how that shit happens. Absolutely. How do you think Hamilton came to be? Hamilton took like eight years to write. Eight years to write, workshop, whatever. We're only on year three, so come join us on year three of this journey. Did. Did that donor who told you that they couldn't find unicorns book the next show at Unicorn Theater? (laughs) Oh, shit. That's so funny. No, he actually helped fund this particular production. But we have um, a a grander donor called the National New Play Network, NNPN, and they funded. So they've offered three different theater companies extra funding to to. to help this what they call a rolling world premiere so each company both unicorn and theater lab and curious get to say this is the world premiere it's three productions that say this is the first even though curious is technically the first first so that's why if you're in denver you gotta come see it gotta come see it because it's the first first this is the world but yeah i should have fucking said that shit i should have said that shit i'm not a unicorn unicorn theater is the unicorn that's gonna easily hire all these are we talking about tristar pictures what exactly Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sam Gilstrap. <laughs> this is the Ghost Lights Podcast. I circle back. It's what I do. I'm the best of the best there is. Nevertheless, I is. If you're listening to another theater podcast in Colorado, you're wasting your time. <laughs> Shots fired. It's what I do. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Dan, do the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to explain the D's versus T's in your breath? Yeah, tell me. So say duh.
Duh. Now say tuh. Okay, there's more air that comes out of your mouth with a duh. It's a softer sound duh. and a tuh. So by saying duh, you're pushing more air out. It's easier to do a T than a D. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! Wait, what? I love that Dan was just uh-huh. so confident about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I will teach you. I will teach you later. I know this. <laughs>